Christian. We are the Bride Radio is the voice of the true Bride of Christ. the bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army in the kingdom we recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood but with the principalities and the powers of the air we are a ministry of prayer and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe we provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. News today from your White House correspondent, Dr. June Knight. All right, Brian, good afternoon. I have been hot and heavy on the news today because let me tell you something, Brian. Things are moving at warp speed. Yes, they are. That old enemy is trying his best to move in on us and we have to stay on top of it, Brad, and this is our job here at WATB.TV. Hey, this is your White House correspondent, Dr. June Knight, and listen, President Trump is moving way really fast with this Operation Warp Speed. Isn't it amazing, Brad, how you can tell people, you know, it's President Trump, the one that assigned the vaccines are, and he appointed a million men a million-man army to make sure you get that vaccine. And people will turn around and look at you like, not my president, he wouldn't do that. I'm like, he's sitting here doing it, people. He has appointed a czar. Okay, so we are going to look at two of his latest actions. Okay, let's move on over here uh into the presidential actions and we are going to look looky here executive order on ensuring access to united states government covid19 vaccines this is dated today brad by the authority vested in me as president by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, it is hereby ordered as follows. Section 1 purpose. Through unprecedented collaboration across the United States government, industry, and international partners. Who do you think that is, Brad? 
can we say UN? The United States expects to soon have safe and effective COVID-19 vaccines available for the American people. To ensure the health and safety of our citizens, to strengthen our economy, and to enhance the security of our nation, we must ensure that Americans have priority access to COVID-19 vaccines developed in the United States or procured by the United States government, United States government COVID-19 vaccines. Hmm. Section two policy. It is the policy of the United States to ensure Americans have priority access to free, safe, and effective COVID-19 vaccines. Now, does it not make you wonder, Brad, why they're saying they're really pointing it out that it is free and safe? Okay, first of all, is there not a clause that says that these are, that there can be no repercussions to these companies if anything goes wrong? So thus, how do we know? I mean, how do we know these are safe? This, first of all, you know that all these vaccines have technology in it. I'm telling you a fact. They have technology in it that has never been done. This has only been, I don't even know if it's been tested. It may have been tested just a little bit, but nothing like the way it was before, where it took 18 months to 5, 10 years. So they're moving at warp speed. Let's continue here. After ensuring the ability to meet the vaccination needs of the American people, it is in the interest of the United States to facilitate international access to United States government COVID-19 vaccines. Section three, American access to COVID-19 vaccines. A. The Secretary of Health and Human Services through Operation Warp Speed and with the support of the Secretary of Defense shall ensure safe and effective COVID-19 vaccines are available to the American people. Coordinating with public and private entities, including state, territorial, and tribal governments where appropriate to enable the timely distribution of such vaccines. B, the Secretary of Health and Human Services in consultation with the Secretary of Defense and the heads of other executive departments and agencies as appropriate shall ensure that Americans have priority access to United States government COVID-19 vaccines. Well, what happened to his press secretary calling them Trump vaccine? Are they going to be Trump vaccine or United States vaccine? And shall ensure that the most vulnerable United States populations have first access to such vaccines. C, the Secretary of Health and Human Services shall ensure that a sufficient supply of COVID-19 vaccine doses is available for all Americans who choose, okay, that's a key word. That is a key word, choose to be vaccinated in order to safeguard America from COVID-19. All right.
Okay, to choose, huh? We need to make sure that word is how we're going to follow this. Because we know from the Vaccine Congress, they talked like they're going to have to end up making it mandatory when it comes all are available. So could the president be putting this language in here right now to make people feel safe because everybody's on the edge over this vaccine? Well, we will just have to see. So let's read the sentence again and make sure we're understanding this right, okay? The Secretary of Health and Human Services shall ensure that a sufficient supply of COVID-19 vaccine doses is available for all Americans who choose to be vaccinated in order to safeguard America from COVID-19. Section 4. International access to United States government COVID-19 vaccines. After determining that there exists a sufficient supply of COVID-19 vaccine doses for all Americans who choose to be vaccinated as required by Section 3B of this order, the Secretary of Health and Human Services and the Secretary of State, in coordination with the Administrator of the United States Agency for International Development, the Chief Executive Officer of the United States International Development Finance Corporation, the Chairman and President of the Export-Import Bank of the United States. Oh, man, that right there tells me, are we looking at the digital dollar here? Uh, all of these financial companies involved in all this? This makes me wonder about the digital economy happening at the same time. And the heads of other agencies shall facilitate international access to United States government COVID-19 vaccines for allies, partners, and others as appropriate and consistent with applicable law. First of all, where is this vaccine being developed that he's talking about acquiring? Because are we only buying from the United States or are we getting the vaccine from Israel? Or are we getting the vaccine from other places? And the heads of other agencies shall facilitate international access to United States government COVID-19 vaccines for allies, partners, and others as appropriate and consistent with applicable law. Section 5. Coordination of international access to United States government COVID-19 vaccines. Within 30 days of the date of this order, the Assistant to the President for National Security Affairs shall coordinate development of an interagency strategy for the implementation of Section 4 of this order. Okay, let's read Section 4 again. Oh, the big one that has to do with all the banks. Uh-huh. So, in Section 5, it says, Coordination of International Access to United States Government COVID-19 Vaccines. Within 30 days of the date of this order, the Assistant to the President for National Security Affairs 
shall coordinate development of an interagency strategy for the implementation of section four. Now let's go back and read section four, section four again. International access to United States government COVID-19 vaccines. After determining that there exists a sufficient supply of COVID-19 vaccine doses for all Americans who choose to be vaccinated, as required by Section 3B of this order, the Secretary of Health and Human Services and the Secretary of State in coordination with the Administrator of the United States Agency for International Development, the Chief Executive Officer of the United States International Development Finance Corporation. Okay, there's one. The Chairman and President of the Export-Import Bank of the United States, too and the heads of other agencies, which they want to leave it wide open, obviously, shall facilitate international access to United States government COVID-19 vaccines for all allies, partners, and others as appropriate and consistent with applicable law. So they're going to have an interagency strategy for all basically banking corporations. Let's go to section six, general provisions. Nothing in this order shall be construed to impair or otherwise affect one. The authority granted by law. Oh, this is his ending things that he puts on everything. Uh, to an executive department or agency or the head thereof or to the functions of the director of office of management and budget relating to budgetary, administrative, or legislative proposals be this order shall be implemented consistent with applicable law and subject to the availability of appropriation C. This order is not intended to or does not create any right or benefit, substantive or procedural, enforceable at law or in equity by any party against the United States, its departments, agencies, or entities, its officers, employees, or agents, or any other person. <laughs> Donald J. Trump. Okay, so this executive order Okay, he is establishing this interagency with the banks, ensuring access to United States government COVID-19 vaccines. So there is a relation to the international economy with these vaccines. That's one thing this proves. Secondly, it opens the door to the language of the volunteers that people will be able to just volunteer to take it. This is given the language that it may not be uh, mandatory. But it also comes across like, oh, we're, we're so special because all of our people that are needy will be able to get the vaccine. So. I think the biggest key about this executive order is the language in this paragraph right here in section four, forming this interagency for all of these different aspects. Okay, so you are talking, uh, Chief Executive Officer of the United States International Development Finance Corporation the chairman and president of the Export-Import Bank of the United States, 
and the heads of other agencies, probably all the other banks. Now, I have some news as well about President Trump and his Supreme Court exploits to try to win the election. Uh, he had a bad day, to say the least. Okay, so the Supreme Court... Hold on, let me show you here. Okay, first, before I tell you that, let me tell you that McConnell, Mitch McConnell, it says here on the news that Mitch McConnell has not endorsed the $908 billion stimulus package. Okay, and then he backs off demand for liability protection in COVID stimulus negotiations. You know, Brad, that it is on the table for them to bribe you for the vaccine. Like, we will give you the stimulus, the $1,200 or $1,500 if you take the vaccine. That has not been approved, but it is on the table for that. Okay, so let's see here. It says Trump may reduce student loan debt and taxes. You know, they are talking about wiping the student loans out half, but I also believe, you know, that it is going to be tied all to the Great Reset. So we can't really uh, pay that much attention to that. Okay, now there is a report here in Forbes magazine that says Biden reportedly is considering canceling student debt through executive action. So we will see. We do know that the executive, not the executive order, but the Great Reset does have to do with like a jubilee where they're going to relieve everybody of all their debt because they are going to start a new world where you will own nothing and be happy about it. That's what they say on the World Economic Forum. Uh, website. Okay, let's go over here. I want to read you about the Supreme Court. Hold on just a second here. Okay, here we go. I was looking in the wrong app. Supreme Court dismisses Trump allies' challenge to Pennsylvania election. This is according to USA Today. The Supreme Court refused Tuesday to stop Pennsylvania from finalizing President-elect Joe Biden's victory in the state despite allegations from allies of President Donald Trump. Okay, so he lost basically to Pennsylvania. I'm looking for something. Hold on. 
All right, so let's move forward. Let's go to the next executive order that President Trump did today, Brad. Look at this. All right, so this President Donald Trump announces intent to appoint individuals to key administration posts. Okay, this is dated today. Now, look at this one. Elaine Cho, or Chow, of Kentucky, to be a member of the Board of Trustees of the John F. Kennedy Center for Performing Arts. Now, how many has noticed a lot of, of language lately about John F. Kennedy? John F. Kennedy. Raise your hand if you have heard that name a lot lately. Now, I do not understand why that is, but that is the first thing I thought of when I saw this, that this lady, and then I thought, well, who is this woman? Elaine Chow of Kentucky. Okay, so then I did a search. Okay, she right now is the Secretary of Transportation. No way. Because, Brad, we know that uh, what transportation has to do with right now. the trans She's a very pretty lady. Look at that. Uh, transportation has to do with data. Remember, data is under transfer transportation because it travels down the information highway. Okay? All right, so here we go. Let's look at this woman. We need to pay attention to who President Trump is putting in these positions. All right, looky here. She is right now the Secretary of Transportation, okay? Now, let's look at her history here. She was appointed by President Trump to be the Secretary of Transportation in 2017, right? Okay, then we noticed that she was the Secretary of Labor from January 29th, 2001 to January 20th of 2009 under who? President George W. Bush. Hmm. Then you scroll on down, you notice she's the Director of the Peace Corps. From October 8th of 1991 to November 13th of 1992, under what president? George H.W. Bush. Then we notice she was the United States Deputy Secretary of Transportation under George Bush. This was dated April of 1989 to October of 91. You scroll on down, she was the chair of the Federal Maritime Commission, dated April 29th of 1988 to April 19th of 1989, under President Ronald Reagan. Then she was the commissioner of the Federal Maritime Commission. Commissioner from April of 88 to April of 89, under President Ronald Reagan. Okay, now, she is 67 years old. She's from Taiwan. She is a Republican. And, oh, wait a minute. Hold on here a minute. Who is her husband? 
Looky there, looky there. Mitch McConnell. You can't make this stuff up. Mitch McConnell. Oh, wow. Okay, so. I just thought that was a very interesting fact that this is the lady that he is advancing to this next position. And we know how uh, Mitch McConnell is very valuable in this end time scenario. All right, so let's look who else he has over here. All right, so this, she will be the member of the Board of Trustees of the John F. Kennedy Center for Performing Arts. So I am sitting here thinking, what is going on with John F. Kennedy? You know, because he is the official Christmas tree ornament this year. I mean, there's a lot about him that is just uh, really being elevated at this time for some reason. Somebody brought it up, maybe the remembrance of the assassination of him, you know, uh, maybe of what's coming. I don't know. Okay, let's look at the next one. Lynn Fries of Wyoming to be a member of the Board of Trustees on the John F. Kennedy Center. Okay, so let's check out this woman. All right, the name looks Jewish to me, but let's see here. All right. Foster Fries. Who is that? Foster and Lynn. Okay. Launchers Fries Associates. I'm probably saying it wrong. It's probably Freeze or something. All right. Let's see here. We the people. One bill, one subject. Wow. There's the word one. We the people are restless as we watch the dysfunctionality and increased intrusiveness of government into our lives. Much of it buried in large bills that were mostly unread by our elected representatives. This fosters outriders effort is not left to right. Both Republicans and Democrats are guilty of attaching pet projects or government expansions into unrelated bills. 41 U.S. states, Australia, Ireland, Switzerland, in one form or another, Prohibit bills with more than one subject. Okay, so what is this? Foster Fries is the head wrangler. Oh, okay, so he wants to support one bill and one subject by contacting your representatives. Okay, I guess where you'll pass it with one bill. All right, let's check this out. I like his little website. It's pretty cute. American Cowboy, okay, all right. Oh, so that's his initiative, okay, all right. His initiative is the past one bill, all right, let's go back. The Lynn and Foster Fries Family Foundation, let's check this out. Wow, that looks awful suspicious. Oh, this is the Foundation Directory Online. Okay. Jackson, Wyoming. <coughs> Excuse me, brother. Forgive me. All right. Jackson, Wyoming. About giving primarily to faith-based entrepreneurial inner-city programs, especially one-on-one -on -one mentoring. Hmm. 
All right, let's see here. Let's see here. Okay, let's see. There's the uh, in location in Wyoming. There's their telephone number. Oh, okay. So this is just the information about it. All right, well, let's go back. So they have a foundation. The private foundation, $7.8 million in revenue. Wow. Okay. Amazon Lynn SD. Oh, she's written a book. Let's check out this woman. Lynn SD's Fries. 1940, was born in upstate New York and is a graduate of the University of Wisconsin, a proud mother of four, grandmother of ten. She resides in Wyoming, which is also where uh, Kanye lives. All right, so let's see here. Author of two books, Western Lullaby, which is a recipient of the 2011 Gold IPPY Award, and Jackson's Holes, Carl Discovers Wildlife Art. She is hard at work on a third book. Okay, all right. Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum. Okay, well, that's a cute little book. All right, so we know she's an author. All right, let's see here. Foster, well, that's her husband, Lynn's husband. Well, he, according to Forbes, he's one of the top 10 money managers of the generation. Wow. All right, let's see here. Life today, Foster and oh, so now they're on the NARS show. They was on the Life Today. Let's check this out. About Foster and Lynn Fries, conservative Christian and successfully financial investor. Foster has been an active patron of religious and conservative causes. His wife, Lynn, is an accomplished author who's written a series of children's books. Together, they are well-known philanthropists who support mobile medical services and relief efforts following natural disasters, along with other social service, service causes. Come be inspired as Foster and Lynn share their charitable and social successes and challenges. Aw. Well, it looks like she's a good one, huh? All right. Let's see. All right. All right. Let's check out the next one. Douglas Manchester of California to be on the board as well. Wow, all of these are board members. 
of the John F. Kennedy Center. Let's check out old Douglas here. Douglas Manchester is an American businessman and philanthropist. He is the former chairman of Manchester Financial Group, past chairman and publisher of the San Diego Union Tribune, and an unsuccessful nominee to become United States ambassador to the Bahamas. Well, wouldn't that be nice? Hey, how would you all like to be the ambassador to the Bahamas? <laughs> that is funny. PapaDougManchester.com. So I guess he's called Papa. All right, let's make this a little bigger. Making Positive Memories. Okay, I see his endorsement. My businesses. From the iconic Manchester Grand Hyatt to burgeoning projects in Austin, Texas. Papa Doug's diverse array of business holdings contribute to the development and success of the cities he loves. Since the early 1980s, he has played a huge role in making the San Diego Convention and Hostility Industries what they are today. He's on One American News. Okay. Doug Manchester and wife donate $1 million to Sharp Mary Burge Hospital. Okay. In his many years as a devoted philanthropist, Papa Doug has been honored with recognitions including the Alonzo Award, the Alexis D. Tocqueville Society Award, the LEAD San Diego Visionary Award, and the Bishop School Endowment Award. All right, let's see past businesses. Financial group, the Grand Del. Oh, he's a hotel guy. Looky here. Well, commercial development. All right, so we see who that guy is. Let's check out the next one. Hannah Buchan of Florida. All right, let's check out Miss Hannah here. All right, International Realty, Palm Beach Post. Okay, Hunter, she's a managing director of Hunter Assets. Did it say she's from Florida? Well, it shows her on the website. Let's see. Hunter Global Investors. An early Trump backer awaits his reward. Look at this. This is according to the New York Times. Don't y'all be looking at my email address up there. <laughs> All right. An early Trump backer awaits his reward. This is dated in February 2017. Before he bet big on Donald Trump last spring, Duke Buchan III was mostly an anonymous figure on Wall Street. Well, who is this guy? What does he have to do with this woman? Widely accepted among Republican money men that Mr. Buchan was an early backer at a time when most of Wall Street 
was hedging its best, either weary of being associated with such a fiery figure or predicting that Hillary Clinton would win. All right, I don't know who this guy is. Oh, it must be her husband. Okay, well. So he's a big Republican. There's Hannah. All right, all right. Hannah Buchan coaching egg community women. Okay. HD Investors, that is Duke. He's an investor. All right. Ambassador Duke was an ambassador to Spain. When did this happen? Op-ed about the situation in Venezuela. Okay, terrible theater. The illegitimate Maduro regime is staging a sham parliamentary election tomorrow in Venezuela in an effort to eliminate the democratically elected National Assembly. This piece of political theater is a... Where is it at? This is why the United States, Spain, and Europe, all the other nations of good conscience, must continue to stand together to denounce tomorrow's charade in Venezuela. So this must be an article that he wrote. Oh, he's writing all of his cases against Venezuela Maduro. All right. Well, this is the truth. Listen to this. The United States is the single largest donor of humanitarian assistance for the Venezuelan regional crisis. Listen to this. We recently announced an additional $348 million in aid, Brad. $348 million. So let's, let's look at what is the date of this thing because he says recently, December 5th, what? No way. No way. Man. Oh. Uh. All this money we're spending. Isn't this sad, Brian? We don't have any of the... Uh, so, I don't know. You can all decide for yourself. In May, it organized with the EU an international donors conference that generated $2.8 billion. Includes six hundred and fifty three million in donations. Oh man. So he is the ambassador. Wow. Mm. 
Wow, wow, wow. Okay. So he is the U.S. ambassador to Spain. All right. All right, here's Hannah on Pinterest. Let's see here. Oh, she has her boards. Okay. All right, let's go back over here. Let's go. Catherine Reynolds of Virginia. Catherine Reynolds Foundation. Our goal is to ignite the imagination, build character, teach young people the value of education and the power of the individual and to inspire them. To aim high and reach for greatness. The John F. Kennedy, okay, International Achievement Summit. Preeminent leaders from diverse fields, fellows of social entrepreneurship at New York University. A grant of $10 million by Katherine Reynolds. Wow. Artistic excellence as well as other innovative and new arts and education initiatives. Wow. She has really poured out the money. The power of the individual, the value of education, pursuit of excellence. All right, all right. Okay, let's see here. Was selected by Business Week magazine as one of the 50 most philanthropic living Americans. Wow. She is a current or former trustee of New York University, Vanderbilt University. That's here in Nashville, Harvard Kennedy School Center for Public Leadership. Wow. Oh, she has a fellowship at New York University. Wow. It's to help educate young people to inspire them to believe in their power to make a difference. Okay, Stanford University. All right, let's move on to the next one. She is a good one, too. Okay, Andrew George Biggs of Oregon. Let's see who this is. To be a member of the Financial Oversight and Management Board for Puerto Rico. All right, so let's see. Now we're talking Puerto Rico here. Ideas and repay, current contact information. All right, let's see what this is. Ideas, what is this? Economic literature, okay. All oh, these are articles. So these are his articles. The Life Cycle Model Replacement Rates and Retirement Income Adequacy. How hard should we push to the poor to save for retirement? 
the growth of salaries and okay so he's a financial whiz huh all right deficit reduction okay let's move forward dr betty rosa phd to be a member of the financial oversight management board for puerto rico let's check her out interim commissioner of education is a nationally recognized education leader and received an EDM, Master's of Education, and Education DN, Administration Planning and Social Policy from Harvard University. All right, Board of Regents appoints as interim. Commissioner, okay. All right, let's see. New York State Education Department, a certified public accountant. Okay. All right, let's go to the next one. Probably the last one. No, John Nixon of U-Haul to be a member of the Financial Oversight. Mike Sanders will be a member of the Community Development. Christopher Papaganis of New York will be a member of the Community Development Advisory Board. G. Stephen Grist of Virginia to be a member of the Community Development Advisory Board. James Herbert II of Wyoming to be a member of the Community Development Advisory Board. Kellyanne Conway, what? Are y'all seeing this right? What? Kelly Ann Elizabeth Conway of the District of Columbia to be a member of the Board of Visitors to the United States Air Force Academy. Well, Douglas McGregor of Pennsylvania to be a member of the Board of Visitors to the United States Military Academy. All right, Chang O. Turkmeni. Of Florida to be a member of the National Cancery. Wow, look at all these people. Okay. All right, Brad. Matthew Schlapp of Virginia to be a member of the Library of Congress Trust Fund Board. I wonder if that's what's her name's husband. Let's check this guy out. She was the president's communications lady, Schlapp. I know that name. All right, let's see here. Republican, probably so. Probably married to her. Yep, Mercedes. Ha! I was right. <clears throat> yep. Meet the Slaps. Washington's Trump era. The It Couple. Have made money, lost friends. Okay. That's who it was. That's what I thought, Brad. That's what I thought. All right. Well, let's look at his other one. He's got one other appointee. Let's see who this is. One nomination sent to the Senate. Irving Bailey of Florida to be a member of the Board of Directors of the United States International Development Finance Corporation for a term of three years. New position. 
we got to check out O. Irving here because this has to do with the vaccine. So let's check out O. Irving here. Senior advisor after a 35-year career in the financial services industry, Irving Bailey joined Chrysalis Ventures as a managing director in 2001, where he now serves as senior advisor. He was formerly chairman and CEO of Providian Corporation, an insurance and diversified financial services company. All right, let's check him out here on LinkedIn. Lead director of Hospira, Louisville, Kentucky. Senior advisor, vice chairman, all right, lead director, chairman, CEO. All right, let's see. Irving Widmere Bailey was an American botanist. Ha! Known for that's funny. All right, profile and biography. Here he is, Bloomberg.com. Wow. All right, let's see here. Partner, senior advisor, okay, from 2005 to the present. Managing director, Argonne Bank, okay, financial services. Board member of Hospira, vice chairman of Agon Bank, board member of Agon Nevada. Board member of Jefferson Club, Louisville Community Foundation, New York Society of Security Analysts. What is the Jefferson Club? Y'all know I got to follow these rabbit trails. What is the Jefferson? Sounds elite. Let's see what this is. The Jefferson Club exists to encourage philanthropic support of the University of Missouri. All right, all right. So it's a part. Jefferson Club closes, files chapter seven. A private business club located on the 29th floor. Oh, it's a fine dining club. That's what I thought. It sounded elite. All right. So that's it, Bride. That's all I have for you tonight. That is it, people. Uh, I wanted you to see what President Trump said about the vaccine. Let me see if I got any other news real quick. First signs of Thanksgiving COVID-19 wave emerge. Uh-huh. Elon Musk has moved to Texas. 
Well, isn't that funny? He moves to Texas, and then you have uh, the Kushners. You have Ivanka and her husband, Jared, moving to Miami. They bought them like a little place on the island where they'd be safe. The FDA says Pfizer's COVID vaccine is safe and effective, but trial participants warn of intense symptoms after second shot. This is according to what magazine? It's in the health and science part. Oh, CNBC. Under the Pfizer biotech deal, the 27 EU countries could buy 200 million doses and have an option to purchase another 100 million. The FDA said data from Pfizer's COVID vaccine trials show that side effects are common, though are not specific safety concerns identified that would preclude issuance of an emergency use authorization. Trial participants in the Moderna and Pfizer studies told CNBC they developed more significant symptoms following the second dose. The Pfizer biotech coronavirus vaccine is both safe and effective, according to U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Let me look this up so you can see this. Hold on here. All right, let's type this in. This is called the FDA says Pfizer's COVID vaccine is safe and effective. All right, let's see it up here. There it is, CNBC. Okay, now you can see what I'm looking at. All right. According to U.S. Food and Drug Administration, in a report released Tuesday morning, the FDA indicated that it could green light the country's first COVID-19 inoculation within days. If Pfizer's shot is granted an emergency use authorization, when's the date on this? Today, Tuesday the 8th. All right, I just want to make sure. Okay, if it's granted an emergency youth use authorization or EUA, the immunizations which are administered in two doses about three weeks apart could start as soon as next week. Many people are now wondering whether this will be just like getting the flu vaccine. The short answer is no, not really. One Pfizer trial participant told CNBC that after the second shot, he woke up with chills, shaking so hard he cracked a tooth. It hurt to even just lay in my bed sheet, he said. Others experienced headaches and fatigue. The FDA said that while side effects of the Pfizer vaccine are common, there are no specific safety concerns identified that would prelude issuance of the emergency use authorization. 
So it says, be prepared for the second shot. The Pfizer vaccine is one of the four U.S.-backed candidates in phase three trials. Next up is one from U.S. biotech firm Moderna. Now, let me pause here. Moderna means modify RNA. Anytime you see Moderna, think that, okay? Modify RNA which has also submitted its emergency use authorization application. Both companies have said that taking their vaccines could result in side effects similar to mild COVID symptoms. Think muscle pain, chills, and headache. When trial participant Yasir Batalvi first read Moderna's 22-page consent form, what? Of side effects ranging from nothing at all to death, he felt pretty worried, he told CNBC. Can you believe that? They want you to sign a 22-page document saying that you may die taking this? You have to keep in mind, I joined the trial when we didn't know it was going to be a safe vaccine, said Batalvi, a recent college graduate living in Boston. The 24-year-old said that when he got the first injection in mid-October, it felt just like a flu shot. I experienced stiffness and pain in my left arm where I got the shot, but it was mild, he explained. By that evening, I didn't want to move my arm above my shoulder, but it was localized and it disappeared by the next day. The second dose was a different story. After the injection, I had the same side effects as the first. Localized pain and stiffness, but it was a little bit worse. My arm got sore faster, and by the time I got home, I started feeling fatigue like anyone would feel if they were coming down with the flu. Said Batalvi. More significant symptoms presented that evening i developed a low-grade fever and had chills he said that evening was rough after a restless night he called the study doctors who reassured him it was a normal reaction and no cause for concern by that afternoon batavi said he felt like himself again moderna stopped testing the highest dose of its vaccine during the trial because of the number of reports of severe adverse reactions. As for any long-term effects, Baltavi isn't giving it much thought. I'm not too concerned, he said. We know from vaccination trials that any adverse events mostly show up in the first couple of months. How an mRNA vaccine works. Frontrunners Pfizer and Moderna built their candidates with a new kind of technology. Somebody in the chat room asked, what do you mean technology? This is it. It is a fact. It is not a conspiracy theory. It's a fact that these vaccines, even President Trump talks about it. That's never been before been licensed in the United States. 
Messenger RNA vaccines called mRNA for short aren't like your normal flu vaccine. Typically, a vaccine puts a weakened or inactivated virus into our bodies to trigger an immune response, which then produces antibodies. Those antibodies are what ultimately protect us from getting infected if we ever encounter the real thing. An mRNA vaccine, on the other hand, is essentially just a piece of genetic code that contains instructions for our body. The mRNA tells our cells to make a protein, the same protein that is one spike on top of the actual coronavirus. This is what triggers the immune response in these types of vaccines. So even though some trial participants reported COVID-like symptoms, it is impossible to contract the coronavirus from the vaccine. Oh my goodness, that's what they're saying. Because the mRNA vaccines that Pfizer and Moderna are making don't use the live virus. So they're saying you can trust them because they are using technology and not a real virus. How many out there with a raise of hand says, okay, I'll trust it, even though it's technology, I will trust this vaccine because it's not a vaccine. Raise your hand if you feel that way or put a thumbs down if you're saying, I don't care if it's got technology, I am not trusting it. I'm doing a straw poll of my chat people to see if they're paying attention. Put your thumbs up if you want to trust the technology and you don't care and then put a thumbs down if you disagree with this statement and you say that you don't care if the technology is better than the live virus, that you are not going to take that vaccine anyway. Wow. Okay. So the majority is saying no. Okay. All right. Yeah. Georgia, you're funny. All right. Wow, y'all are letting them know, ain't you? Okay. All right, let's continue reading here. All right, Dr. Hannah E. Saley, who oversees a clinical trial for Moderna's vaccine candidate, said one major benefit of the mRNA technology is how fast it is to make. The attractiveness of it is the speed in which it can be manufactured once we know the sequence of the virus. So this could also be Operation Warp Speed. Why President Trump chose the speed. Now we can equate the word speed 
with technology. Is that not what they're saying? How fast it is to make. The attractiveness of it is the speed. That's what they're saying. With the traditional flu vaccine, you have to first grow the virus in an egg, then deactivate the virus, and finally put it into vaccine vials with either mRNA or recumbent DNA technology, explains El Sali. The COVID vaccine's faster manufacturing timeline is key as distributors look to ex expedite distribution to the U.S. population. Oh, yes, they're wanting to do America first. Am I right, Brian? America first in this vaccine. Paying for the vaccine. Also, key to widespread vaccination is making sure governments around the world have enough money to buy the vaccines. Moderna said in August it is charging between $32 and $37 per dose for its vaccine and would perhaps offer a discount if it is bought in bulk. Pfizer's, on the other hand, is more affordable. It is reportedly only $20 a dose. Somebody add that up. $37 times $100 million. I mean, we're talking ridiculous amount of money. Much less the $20 a dose. And they want the governments to pay for this because why they're pulling out the old money before everything crashes anyway. Isn't it, isn't it uh, ironic that you are having this uh, right before the Great Reset? That they're rolling out this vaccine, charging everybody ridiculous amounts of money right before everything collapses. The U.S. has secured 100 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine, which means how much? Okay, so that'd be what, 20, no, that'd be $2 billion, which is enough to vaccinate 50 million people. Because remember, you have to do two doses. So you have to think two doses per person. But to achieve herd immunity, experts say, roughly 70% of the population needs to be vaccinated or have natural antibodies. That's about 462 million doses for herd immunity. And an estimated 660 million doses for everyone in the country. Thank you, Brian. That's a lot of money. Brian gave everybody the figure. It looks like 37 trillion, trillion, trillion. <laughs> All right. Pfizer board member Dr. Scott Gottlieb told CNBC on Tuesday that President Donald Trump declined the company's offer to buy additional doses. 
A debate over unblinding the control group. Both Pfizer and Moderna are conducting double-blind trials, which means that half of the participants receive a placebo and the other half receive the actual vaccine. Because the trials are ongoing, it also means that patients don't know which group they are in. There is a debate raging among experts about whether to give the control group the vaccine. See, first of all, let me just pause right here because when they said that about the placebo, that reminds me. Okay, the reason I pointed out about that lady that President Trump appointed to the John F. Kennedy board, who's married to Mitch McConnell. The reason I wanted you to see her past history is because those very same presidents that's on that list is the first ones to take the vaccine. They're all together. Whether they're Republican or Democrat, they're all together. Okay, so the FDA isn't too keen on the idea of dosing the placebo group. While some scientists are making the case that they should be moved higher on the prioritization list as a thanks for their service. But this kind of break-in trial protocol would interfere with the integrity of the trial. So for now, participants such as Botalvi remain in the dark as to whether they're actually protected against the virus. Oh, that would be sad. That means they would take another dose. A person can still present symptoms as Batalvi did, even if they are in the control group. It's the placebo effect. What the world? But either way, Batalvi says glad he had the opportunity to participate in an effort to protect the world against the, plan the pandemic. Treehouse Publishers presents Author and White House Correspondent Dr. June Knight has published 10 books. As she traveled the country in obedience to God-serving ministries, her books are about the Bride of Christ, preparing the church for the end of days, persecution, purity, and spiritual warfare. She even wrote a book revealing the pain and struggles of her own life called Testimony of a Broken Bride Jesus is the True Husband. Her books hope to help families make right decisions in the coming days about the mark of the beast and to choose Jesus over the beast system. Dr. June released four books this year about current day situations such as judgment, technology, tribulation days and more. These four books released in April of 2020 after she left the White House and exposes what she knows about President Trump and the Antichrist agenda. These books reveal apostasy plus idolatry equals judgment and it's for the harvest. Dr. June reveals the great divide in the church in this hour due to the great deception. She explains what is the ecumenical movement, new apostolic reformation, and false religions, exposes the one world religion agenda, Dr. June exposes the new world order and satanic agenda, this book exposes the lie of the new apostolic reformation evangelicals who have surrounded the president and is partnering with the beast system. This book's chronicles 40 days of repentance and casting down 40 idols in our nation and church. This book reveals the biblical pattern of judgment and the current judgment. What is the pattern of God's judgment? Why does he judge? What is my role in this? 
This book discusses now that we know apostasy plus idolatry equals judgment where do we go from here? How do we prepare? What do we look for? What about technology? The human implantation chip, etc. So purchase the American quad books today before they shut them down. Be alert. Be informed. Be equipped for the war ahead. Or go to www.gotreehouse.org and purchase all 10 of Dr. Dewey's books today on sale. If you are interested in writing a book please go to treehousepublishers.com. Thank you.